Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 264th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the MSP studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. Um, excited to talk a little little football with you. Yeah. A little basketball. Oh, yeah. And, man, is Mizzou, is Mizzou back? We're back, folks. folks. Yeah. Feels I, like it. I mean, I was prepping for this episode, and multiple times I just found myself smiling just because what I was looking at, I was looking at football is 4-0, and Missouri Tiger basketball has the number one recruiting class in the country for the time being, but... Regardless, uh, it's just all great things. We prayed for times like these. Exactly. And enjoy it. Yeah. Bask in it. Yes. That's what we're going to do for the next uh, hour or so right now. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about football. We're going to talk about the recruiting class and all of that. Uh, before we get into it, don't forget you can or please do subscribe on YouTube. Leave us a review wherever you listen to us. And of course, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. Um, Kyle, let's do basketball first, and then it'll be football the rest of the way. So if you want to skip basketball talk, that's fine. No big deal. I know you're excited about football. Um, you're not allowed to skip basketball talk, though, Kyle. I'll stick around. Dennis Gates. Uh, he's a magician. He's our savior. He's doing incredible things. And they got another commitment. They got a commitment from the number one player in the state of Arkansas. This is just new territory. We have not, this is not something we're used to. Right. These nice things happening over and over again. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, we were just talking about basking in, in this feeling a little bit. And like, I, I mean, I got to fight already feeling like this is just what we do now. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I got to fight that because. I don't know. We've wanted to be in this position for a while, and I, I, I don't want to be. I don't want to be desensitized to this already, because this is such a big deal, and it's just especially great to uh, get the best player in Arkansas. Like it just, I don't know. You can't, you can't write stuff better than this, right? Right. And um, yeah. So we'll jump into it here. Anor Botang, from a senior from Little Rock Central High School, Little Rock, Arkansas, commits to the Tigers. Uh, rated four star. This is kind of interesting. Rated four stars by all the major recruiting outlets. When you put that all together into 24/7's composite rankings, he becomes a five star. So he's the lowest rated five star player in his class according to the 24/7 Sports composite rankings. So as far as we're concerned, five star. Yeah, we always round up. Yes, uh, five star, uh, six five wing. I would say he plays more like a big guard than like a forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was reading about him, reading some scouting reports on him. He, uh, They're saying he's advanced for his age on the defensive side of the ball, which what's new, uh, Dennis Gates' recruit is uh, potentially going to make an impact right away on defense. That sounds about right. Can guard multiple positions. Um, offensively, he is good at getting to the rim, uh, driving in transition or from the wing, uh, still working on his jump shooting, but it's coming along. 
all reports say his jumper is looking smoother than ever. And that's honestly what Gates and his assistants and everything have shown in their development of the guys that we knew about, like Kobe Brown and the guys that they brought over from Cleveland State, like Demoy Hodge, turning those two guys who had potential, obviously, into professional basketball players. I don't know. I just, I'm so excited for all these top 100 type players that he's bringing in out of high school to see them get into this system and develop and see their strengths be, you know, just utilized in the way that he, he came in day one and just like found Kobe Brown's strengths and said, yep, we're going to play to that. Mm-hmm. And I just can't wait to see what he can do with a guy for three or four seasons, maybe right. two seasons on some of them. Yeah. I mean, it feels almost unfair to say this because Demoy Hodge and Kobe Brown are, you know, NBA players at this point. But I mean, this time last year, we were saying, you know, this is a little bit of a ragtag group here. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Um, but we were not saying that by the end of the year, obviously. So um, yeah, it's going to be pretty amazing to see what he can do with like actual great prospects and yeah. uh, who have, uh, you know, Kobe was a Kobe was a good recruit. But I mean, we're we're talking about pretty serious foundations to build upon here. Um, but yeah, Kobe really, you know, could always shoot. Okay. He had his moments, but just had a, he was a totally different player um, this past season. Um, so Arkansas fans and Arkansas, uh, media people are already trying to paint the picture that, uh, boating was not a priority for the Razorbacks and Musselman. And it is true. I think, I think they are in the driver's seat on, um, I forget his name. We actually watched him at the Tournament of Champions. Um, Isaiah Elohim, I think mm-hmm. is his name. Sounds familiar. And uh, so he plays the same position. He's another 6'5 wing, but um, he's not like a top 10 player in the country or anything. He's another bo- four-star, borderline five-star guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I do think he will commit to Arkansas, but that just... I don't buy it. Yeah, and... At the very least, I feel like Arkansas probably thought, well, we don't have to focus as much on him because he's right here in our backyard. We can turn on the full court press at any point and, you know, get him to stay home. Yeah. And no, Missouri and Coach Gates, they said, don't worry, we will get you out of the state of Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think I've said before about players from Arkansas, like, okay, uh, thank you for raising him up right, but we'll take it from here. He's coming home to Columbia, and, uh, and no looking back. Yeah, exactly. Um, that The scouting report that you were talking about a minute ago honestly sounds pretty similar to other Missouri commit, Marcus Allen. Mm-hmm. Can you can you kind of compare and contrast those guys as prospects a little bit? Yeah, I would say that um, Allen is more of like a forward, and... I would expect him to not be uh, the ball's not going to be in his hand as much on offense. Uh, he's going to be more, especially early. I see him more of as like a a slasher. He's going to finish plays at the rim, but you're not going to exactly be running the offense through him. He could maybe get there eventually. Um, Anor seems more like a, more like a guard. I think he. Again, early, you don't run the offense through him, but his build and his skill set is projects to be a guy that is your go-to scorer eventually. 
Uh, that's where I'd say those two are different. But there's enough overlap there that I think they will complement each other very nicely when they're able to be on the court at the same time. Like I love those two being like you're at the two and three spot or three and four spot in smaller lineups. I think you have incredible versatility with both of them. Yeah, a lot of length. So we mentioned that um, Missouri currently sits at number one in the country in team recruiting rankings. Uh, so just to recap what that looks like right now, T.O. Barrett, the point guard, uh, number 88 in his class. Marcus Allen, who we just talked about, number 54 in his class. Seven foot, 330 pound Peyton Marshall, number 57 in his class. And now Botang, number 26 in his class. And yeah, that's a, that's a top 10 class. If they don't add anybody else and... Uh, you know, there's still a ton of uncommitted five-star guys and that, you know, all that talent usually gets concentrated in a handful of schools. I still think you're looking at a top 10 recruiting class, no matter what, even if that's it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't sound like that's it. That might not be it. They're not done yet, folks. Um, Another top 100 player in the 2024 class, Trent Burns, uh, is going to commit on Friday this week. 24-7 24-7 sports has him at six, sorry, seven foot three, 210 pounds. And um, it seems he's he's originally from Houston, and it seems like it's down to Mizzou and the home state or hometown rice owls. Mm-hmm. So you gotta like Mizzou's chances there. Yeah. I think we're gonna have another commit on Friday. I think we are. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about five commit maybe six there's another pretty big fish out there uh we're talking about maybe six top 100 recruits if everything kind of falls into place here potentially yeah um i mean that's half the team that's half the roster yeah right there i mean we had four commits this past year i mean if all of that actually happens i mean we're gonna have a lot of youth on this team is that uh is that where are you at all no not really and so just to round it out that last guy that we're talking about is five-star big man uh Jaden Quaintance who has been on campus and Missouri seems to be in a good position with him all reports and rumors indicate they are probably in the driver's seat and it's I read uh that probably the next most likely outcome is that he goes to the G League yeah and just skips college altogether um and just kickstarts his pro career uh, also Cincinnati, Kentucky, and Ohio state are the next three schools involved with him, which we, I mean, we've talked about him a little bit briefly before, mm-hmm. but I mean, this dude is a monster. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and he is also young for his class. He reclassified out of yeah. the 2025 class. Just super athletic, well-rounded, big. Yeah. Who just does anything he wants down low. Soft hands, good defensive instincts runs the floor well, everything you could want. And he's so young, it's like the Jonte Porter situation. Yeah. He would not be eligible for the NBA draft until after his sophomore season. Yeah, I think he's only 16 years old right now, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh you meant you asked me a question about all the the potential youth. Yeah. And I mean, that would be I mean, if everybody sticks on the roster, I mean, we're talking about what, like 10 freshmen and sophomores? Yeah. I mean, well, that's a, that's a long time to project out true in college basketball yeah i'm kind of have two minds in this one is uh dennis gates can do no wrong cy can do no wrong i'm 
on board for whatever they want to do here. You drank the Kool-Aid. Absolutely. I We all have. Yeah. Um now what seems realistic to me is like we've had an influx of transfers to try to maybe like stabilize things. You know, he brought his guys that he was familiar with from Cleveland State and that went better than we could have hoped for, winning an NCAA tournament game. Now we've kind of had to reset the roster a little bit going into year two, bringing in some transfers. I could see that sort of being like a little bit of a two-year buffer of like, let's just make sure we have everything stabilized. We don't want to have to go down to like single digit wins and build this thing back up from nothing, Mm -hmm. which as we can see now was never on the table. Thank goodness. But you always worry with a new coaching staff, are we going to have like a hard reset where we got to build everything up from scratch? And year three, getting two recruiting classes that are all yours under your belt feels like an okay time to be like, look, we could keep doing this transfer thing year after year, but if he's telling me he's going to put together these type of high school recruiting classes and then we're going to get to watch these guys develop over the course of two or three seasons, four seasons for some of them, that is absolutely what I want to see. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, I think if some... I, at a certain point when Calipari was bringing in like these big recruiting classes, like it was not working. And right, right. like, I almost wonder if he's kind of lost his touch to, to like develop a little bit. Like Kentucky has not been the same team they were, you know, five, 10 years ago mm-hmm. with this strategy. And, uh, but I, I do, you know, I am biased obviously, but I do wonder if, if, you know, Dennis Gates is just, he's just a special, special coach, mm-hmm. I think. And I truly trust what plan they have in place here, but um, it probably always is a good idea to kind of try and get some experience in the transfer portal and stuff. But for the most part, uh, you you have to be excited about this. And, you know, I think I hope that we're pleasantly surprised, too, with the contributions of the true freshmen this year. Mm-hmm. It sounds like probably we'll, we'll get some pretty meaningful contributions from some of those guys. So that might make us feel a little bit better about the youth after we see uh, like Trent Pierce play and some of these guys. Yeah. And, um, you know, during the Conzo era, we could there was no guarantee that any of the recruiting class you know you sign four or five guys maybe one of them is making it to their sophomore season yeah as a missouri tiger i mean entire going back to it's been a while now that we are losing entire recruiting classes to the transfer portal and so it could be a situation where some of these younger guys kind of look around and see my path to significant playing time is limited by these other guys and they have to transfer somewhere else. I hope that that's still like the kind of transfer that you want to see though. I was about to make the comparison to the football team where, you know, these guys that, yeah, they could contribute, Mm -hmm. but are sort of, um, high floor, low ceiling, not super exciting players. Some of them low floor, low ceiling. That's what we've been used to in basketball for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Not everybody's going to be able to have a star role. Yeah. But it feels like we're no, well, we obviously are no longer going, uh, well, not everybody's going to have a star role. So we might as well have an unranked player that has no business being on this roster. We're, we're done with that, I hope. Yeah. That was it like, it seems like we don't even know how to get anybody to come here. So yeah. I guess we'll just pull some random transfer out of the yeah. Mac conference. Yeah. 
or yeah, we're going to add Which, a no, no star, no recruiting profile, uh, <laughs> high school senior, yeah. you know, late in the recruiting cycle. I'm glad we won't have to do that. You don't anymore. have to think about that anymore, Cam. Yeah. Um, a really big freshman class, though. You kind of have to look at like what what is the what's going on with the upperclassmen. So, by my count, we have six players who run out of eligibility after this coming season: Noah Carter, Sean East, Nick Honor, Caleb Grill, John Tanjay, and Connor Vanover. I think do not have the option to return. Um, so in theory, you could add that's a pretty Burns. Good, that's a pretty good trade right there. Take those, yeah. those six, uh, those six freshmen or you know high school seniors for the six you just said. Yeah, I think we would probably take that. Um, yeah, but in theory, we could add Burns and Quaintance yeah. and be fine. And I think I feel like uh, Majok's, um scholarship situation mm-hmm. is potentially like up in the air. I'm not sure that we know for sure if he's on scholarship or not. So that could be. Another it seems different. like that's whatever the staff wants it to be. Yeah, he's so, a, he's on scholarship if they want him to be. He's not if they don't want him to be. I don't think he is, but I don't think he's he's counting towards a scholarship total. But there is a a chance that mm-hmm. um, he could count towards that that number as well. And we've talked about this before, and you'll hear this more. But uh, with the NIL situation, you know, you guys, you can have guys that don't actually have a scholarship, but because the money's coming in, that's true. They walk on technically. That is They're paying for school true. themselves, but really, you know, whoever Emos Pizza is paying for it. Yeah, and Dennis Gates is even—he's even mentioned that. Yeah. Like this, he—I I feel like I remember him saying like the recruiting number stuff. It's just—it's not what it used to be anymore. Yeah. You can't even think about it like concrete. We have this only a, thirteen players yeah. or whatever, and so I had kind of forgotten about that comment. That just don't even worry about it. Yeah, don't even trip. <laughs> it, it all, it's all taken care of. And. Uh, if we really have turned this corner to like, n- this is just how it's going to be for a while, then you don't have to think too long before you start looking at 2025, Aaron Rowe, mm. another like fringe four-star, five-star guy in the class of 2025. He's currently at Link Academy with T.O. Barrett. Can't be bad. No, don't mind that at all. So, I mean... Stars are aligning. Yeah, it just feels like we've really turned a corner with this basketball program, and it's about to get really fun and stay fun for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I still, I know I've mentioned this before, and I tweeted something similar the other day, but I just can't help but think, like, you know, I think people that maybe are more national college basketball fans are thinking, better just try and hang on to them. And maybe maybe that's the case. Mm-hmm. Maybe I Maybe I don't know anything. But I feel like Dennis Gates is gonna is gonna prove to us that you can accomplish anything you you can in college mm. basketball mm. at Missouri. Yeah, and you can get the best players in the country. You can finish in the in the top four and get a double buy in the SEC tournament every year, and you can potentially compete for a national championship. And I hope that he proves us right. And I think that he could. And the way that he. Coach Gates and his staff seem perfectly aligned with DRF and what she's wanting to do and him being her hire. I don't know. That yeah. uh, that synergy, I just, I'm really digging it. And yeah. just all good vibes right now from yeah. the basketball program. You can make as much money at Missouri as you can at other places too. Yeah. Is my personal opinion. We um, play Conzo a lot. That's true. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and like thinking back like two weeks ago when things were confusing and stressful when we think about the football team, I think that, uh, I can only speak for myself, but let us know if you agree with this line of thinking is this is where you were two weeks ago. Seeing DRF and Coach Gates become aligned and just have this like singular vision for the basketball program it just made me start to think, oh, we need that in the football program. And two weeks ago, it didn't feel like we had it. A lot has changed in the last two weeks. So unless you have more to say about basketball, that seems like a good enough segue into football. It's starting to feel different around the football team. Hey, winning solves problems. It solves literally all the problems. Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> unless, unless your problem. Try to win more. Y- yeah, I mean, win all the games. That. Win all the games, and you have no problems. Exactly. Um, yeah, we're switching gears now to football. The Missouri Tigers are four zero. They get the win in number twenty three. Number twenty three ranked Missouri Tigers are four zero, with the win in St. Louis over Memphis. They win that game thirty four to twenty seven. Um. Any thoughts at the beginning? We run through kind of how it went down. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm a little um, I'm a little torn on what I think about playing a game at the dome. You know, I think I totally understand why it's important, why it's necessary for recruiting. We have a lot of players from St. Louis. That is a city we want to be friends with, and it seems like that's working out pretty well right now. Mm-hmm. Um, would I love to play Illinois every year in the dome? Yeah, probably. Um, that being said, that turf, man, kind of freaks me out. Yeah. Um, it was almost like a fever dream, like seeing Missouri play in the Dome. I don't know. Like, yeah. you know, it's been, a long, it's been a while. Yeah. And I have like this weird personal connection with the Dome. <laughs> I used to be uh, in marching band mm-hmm. in high school, and we would go to the Dome, and we'd perform two or three times a year, every year. And... Uh, that I mean, that turf is like carpet, and <laughs> it is slick, man. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like just thinking about playing a football game at full speed on that, it, and it didn't look great, at least on TV. Like from the upper angle, I know we're seeing a lot of the little like black things yeah. in the in the turf and stuff, which probably makes it look worse than it than it looks like when you're on the field. But it didn't look it didn't look like well, it was in great condition, right? And you could tell that they had. For this game, they had changed the hash marks and changed where the numbers were written and stuff, and that just looked rough. Yeah, like you, could you could see s- like the faded numbers yes. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, well, so my thinking was like, you know, obviously last week I was like all in. We want Illinois first game of the season in St. Louis every single year. Sign me up. Yeah, absolutely. And the way that the Missouri side of things had marketed all of this, the way it had become this huge event, and the connection to all the St. Louis. Uh, all the players on the roster from St. Louis, all of that was so fantastic. And it was just everything going perfectly. There was a little bit of drama around Missouri being the only team like represented on the field. That actually did kind of surprise me. Yeah. Which I mean, I'm fine with that. Yeah. But I was, I guess I didn't even really think about it that mm -hmm. I thought this was kind of like a neutral game. Yeah. And not so much. Not so much. Not that much. It, it was. We bought the game. Yeah. It was more like uh, when Arkansas plays. Uh, in, uh, like Little Rock. Yes, exactly. Basically. 
But uh, first of all, Illinois is not going to go for that. If Illinois is going to come to St. Louis and play, their name is going to be in one of the end zones. Sure, that would be different. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know, just seeing some of the tweets and some of the people talking about like Memphis this. Memphis was not happy. They were not. They took the buyout, but the, yeah. fan, the fans didn't. Right, right. But so, I mean, I get it. Yeah. But I mean, they they made their own like hype video, you know, kind of disparaging Missouri almost a little bit. Like I don't, know, it was yeah, like okay, wow, they're they're kind of mad about this. Yeah, but they 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 got to take their angle. Maybe that's what hype everybody video, that's what hype fired up. Are, yeah. yeah, narrative, right? Exactly, got to have a narrative. But seeing the Mizzou fans on Twitter being like, "This whole setup in the dome, it's not looking so hot. Like this place feels old." Yeah, and. I, at first, I was like, oh, come on. Like, this is a fun thing. And then you saw more tweets. And then and you see the, the field. You see the field. And then, like, the broadcast was like, oh, this is not the best broadcast I've ever seen. And then the players start tripping and falling and cramping. It's like, okay, let's get this game over with yeah. and never come back. Yeah there, was a, yeah, there was definitely a moment where I was like, okay, this game just needs to end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but, I mean, the ceremonial aspect, great, great idea. Yeah. Uh, totally baller move from mm-hmm. DRF to just be like, nope, we're playing this game somewhere else. Here's some money. Yeah. And now this is pretty pretty much our home away from home. And we're going to make this, uh, this is going to be a strategic move for us. Yeah. And now still, I'm thinking I still want to play Illinois and St. Yeah. Louis. Just figure out the turf situation. Yeah. That probably would go a long way. Yeah. Upgrade the facilities a little bit. Maybe. Come on, we want to have a nice event there. But uh, I was just thinking like, this is kind of a good idea to like sort of preemptively be like St. Louis, you know, Mizzou football, we're, this is, we're with you guys. Yeah. And then be like, okay, yeah, Illinois, neutral site. Sure. Come on down. After we've already established this like home away from home. Yeah. I feel like that could work. Now to the actual football game, um, right off the bat, Harrison Mevis executes the most perfect onside kick i've ever seen in my life kicked it to himself perfectly 10 yards away catches it missouri ball no offsides and we uh, know who the offsides was on was, I, it, was it not me this okay yeah yeah i mean it was literally like the last time we saw this human being he kicked like the longest kick in sec history to yeah. win the game and brought fifty thousand fans onto the field and then we're like, well, that was pretty legendary. Next time we see him, just starts off the game with like getting, collecting his own kick for an onside, like successful onside kick. Like this guy's incredible. And Coach Drinkwood said like they had been planning that all week, and they just were so they felt so good about his ability to do that in the moment that he was just doing it over and over again <laughs> in practice, like it was nothing. Yeah. And then uh, do it again. I say, yeah. I, I mean, just don't line up offsides this time. That's true. Coach Drinkwood said regarding that whole situation, quote, everybody thinks I'm not aggressive, so I figured I'll show you I can play aggressive. He listens to this podcast, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think we were the, we're the only ones no. uh, lamenting his lack of aggressiveness. Absolutely not. Um, but they... But I mean, yes, I did think that yeah. like two weeks ago. Yeah. Um. They did show, though, that they are aggressive uh, throwing the ball around all of a sudden. They did it against Kansas State. They made, I said that Kansas State's 
secondary looked a little like Swiss cheese. Yeah. They go out and make Memphis's secondary look like Swiss cheese. Yeah. I mean, I asked you last week, is this who we are now? And we were kind of like, I guess. And I guess I'll ask you that again. I mean, I guess. Start the game off. Uh, 76-yard touchdown to uh, Marquise Johnson. We're just that's just what we do now. I mean, he had five yards plus yes. of separation. Yes. Uh, uh I mean that still put it on him where he didn't have to slow down. That was probably one of the most obvious takeaways I had from watching Memphis's film before last week was their secondary is not gonna be able to hang in this game. Mm-hmm. Literally the first thing that happens is we just blow by them for a massive touchdown, which there was a flag on that play too. And I was already just like, no, yes, because I was too. just like, there's no way you have a play go that successfully where we didn't do something. Yeah. Somebody did something illegal yes, to make that happen. Exactly. So <laughs> that was a pleasant surprise. But it was actually holding on the deep, like on the guy guarding Johnson, like yeah. held him and he still got that separation. Right. I guess that's what happens when you know you're going to get beat. Yeah. So we definitely know that about Marquise Johnson at this point, that he's that he's a burner. Um, you know, some guys, that's kind of like the only role they really they play throughout college. Um, but so it'll be interesting to see if he kind of develops his route tree and is more of a, you know, does more than just that. But we know he can definitely do that. Yes. At, at the very least. Uh, Drink wants to get him more involved. Okay. Shockingly. Sounds, sounds great. Um as far as Memphis's offense, they got it going with uh, Blake Watson. He looked good early. They were getting him plenty of touches, and he was kind of making me think, like, okay, if they just feed this guy the ball, Memphis's offense seems like it should be able to uh, make some things happen here. But um, really, Missouri's defense, the first half, they impressed me. Um, I feel like the game-changing play in the first half was clearly Schrader's fumble because that just gave Memphis the ball in such incredible field position at like the 15-yard line or something. Yeah, And they were able to score a touchdown to take a 10-7 to lead at that point. Yeah, that was kind of a shaky moment of the game right there. Yeah, and it was like, it felt like the rest of the first half was just like, okay, now we have to do a little bit extra to overcome that weird situation, like an uncharacteristic fumble at that part of the field that they're able to easily turn into a touchdown. Yeah. Just felt like we're playing catch-up on that the rest of the first half. And I do just kind of feel like Memphis plays better when they're ahead. Like they just are, their offense, I feel like they just kind of want to nickel and dime you Mm -hmm. and they're not going to kill you with uh, big plays. So it just seems like that's where they want to be is, is, in the lead and they can kind of maybe put you away. So I was happy to see Missouri easily climb back in it. Yeah. They want to be able to just lean on that running game. And, um, we mentioned, or I mentioned in the preview episode that they were averaging, I believe they were averaging 183 yards rushing per game. And Missouri's defense held them to just 83 yards rushing. So 100 yards fewer than they were averaging coming into this one, obviously against worse competition. But still, I was fully expecting to see them be somewhat successful on the ground. Yeah. And obviously, the game script dictated that a little bit. They needed to throw a little bit more. But I was just super impressed with Missouri's run defense, and I have been all season so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with really without Darius Robinson, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he gets banged up early, um, and it came... Coach talked about it afterwards. He... It was a strained calf that he actually suffered at the end of the Kansas State game and had kind of worked through it all week, was ready to go, but then re-injures it almost immediately in the first quarter. Um, And that makes sense once you, 
you saw the frustration on his face. It all made sense that yeah. he had he'd it, been battling that exactly. all week, probably. Um, the uh, defensive secondary for Missouri was making big plays. Um, Norwood had some pass deflections early where he just like had his guy absolutely shut down. Yeah. And uh, jumping around a little bit here, but Chris Abrams Drain gets the interception. Marcus Clark gets an interception. This is um, the the backfield was defensive backfield was elite in their coverage, but uh, what's now been a little bit of a trend, and Coach Drink talked about this, and maybe it has something to do with you know Rakestraw being out or whatever, but um, their man to man defense is struggling, and. Um, Coach Drinkwitz called that out in the post-game press conference and previewing Vanderbilt that that's got to get better. Hopefully, the secondary being healthy would help that, but he just said uh, guys are looking into the backfield too much when they're supposed to be playing man-to-man, and that just can't happen. And so um, look, watching the game again, a lot of the lapses from Missouri's defense were from exactly that, yeah. playing man-to-man and getting caught looking in the backfield. Yeah, it sounds like um, there's a lot up in the air for the secondary um, in this game against Vanderbilt. I mean, we'll talk about that but in a little bit, but definitely Norwood is questionable. Rakestraw is questionable. So they've got some issues to figure out before the Vanderbilt game. Missouri's offense, though, just kept it rolling. Um, at one point, Brady Cook, your Missouri quarterback, Brady Cook, was 9 for 9 passing with 164 yards. That's pretty good. That's that's uh, that's efficient. And now I, it makes me wonder, because guys are just open all yeah. over the field. Is what changed? Is Kirby Moore just drawing up plays that have the correct route combinations that are just causing guys to be wide open like that? Versus Drink, who could never could figure out how to do that. <laughs> that seems like unlikely. Yeah, but I think that's a lot what of what we're seeing. Right. I feel. I mean, I one hundred percent agree. It does feel like guys are just running open, but. Um, I do think a lot of it is Brady seems to be seeing the field a lot better. He, it, maybe the game slowed down for him a little bit. The offensive line is giving him more time than I think he was getting last year. But, you know, Brady started playing better at the end of last year, but he still had never at any point was he doing what he's done in the last two games. So, yeah, I don't know. But it's a beautiful thing to see, like, guys just running all over the field and just, you know, catching the ball in space, finding the soft spot in the zone, whatever. Over the middle. Yeah, just... Yeah, they're they're hitting guys really anywhere on the field and not doing some like sketchy sideline 50-50 ball or they're really, you know, making smart passes. Uh there was one really creative play in particular that was like um a lot of misdirection happening and it ended with a late throw to Luther Burden, uh like a lateral throw to him on the sideline. Of course, he made two guys miss and almost scored a touchdown. But that was that's the type of play that jumps out to me where that was just good decision making from Brady Cook. I don't think Burden is the number one option there, or he maybe is the number one option. Uh, Cook looks there first on this like uh, play action, I think, and then maybe he's supposed to look at the running back, but he just went through it and sent it right back over to Luther Burden because yeah. the corner was playing off of him and he turned it into something. Yeah, he's, it seems like he's processing much quicker than even he was at the beginning of this season. I mean, that was a complaint we had right. just three weeks ago 
was it he looks like he's stuck in the mud he's not processing quickly he's not going through his progressions he's just standing still and uh, i mean i i feel like i remember the exact play you're talking about where he was looking around like actively quickly decided this is not this is not here yep i'm going somewhere else i know i've got luther burden over here yep and just trusted his instincts and it looked so much more natural than he looked even just a few weeks ago yeah and uh with drinkwitz comment about it's chess not checkers when he was asked like were you holding stuff back in the first two games like okay whatever i'll buy it i, I guess, guess you were i guess we have to believe that yeah. and you know we i mean we talked about it last week but that's what happens whenever you show whenever you show that you can throw the ball deep you can throw it anywhere in the field yes. like those what the things the very things we hated yeah. you know a month ago are now successful plays because you've opened up the playbook you've opened up the field it makes and, a difference when that's not the only thing you can do. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's see here. Where are we? Uh, speaking of Brady Cook, he uh, is still taking big hits. He's tough, okay? He, he has is to prove very it. tough. He has to prove it to us. He has more than proven it. SDP. I, don't, I need no more proof from him on how tough he well, is. Well, he has something to prove, man. I, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, but there was a point there. Uh, he got hit. And it was like he was scrambling for a first down, didn't quite get it, but it made an incredible play with his legs. Yeah. It's like, okay, he's actually hurt now. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, it's like, dude, you are hurt. Yeah. So I need you to take care of yourself, yeah. buddy. He he was really like um, taking care of himself, buddy, at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then like it was just like all of a sudden he's like, ah, I can do this. Yeah. And that's when it just... He started getting hit and stuff. Oof. He started running more, and I'm like, okay. Made me very scared, I'll be honest with everyone. I mean, you got to feel for Sam Horn, man. Like, he is getting teased like, every game multiple <laughs> times. Like, okay, this is finally my moment. And then it's like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Brady, he's like, can't even walk. Yeah. And then like 10 seconds later, he's like trotting back in. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, honestly, and Coach Drinkwood said that's on him for not making, he needs to make sure that Brady Cook knows when to slide. It's like, okay. Okay, whatever. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, who and I was laughing at myself during the game because two weeks ago, I could not have imagined that these words would come out of my mouth. I said, Brady Cook, please don't get hurt. We need you for SEC play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, 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 really, uh, it's really been weird. A total but 180. He was banged up, obviously. We talked about Robinson. Um, Mookie Cooper took a shot to his head. Yeah. I haven't um, heard anything about him, so I'm assuming He was fine. back at practice, so he seems fine. Um, Norwood was banged up. Man, that, uh, that was an ugly play, too. It looked like he kind of got like folded up on. Like, yeah. I don't, it looked like it could have been serious, but... And then uh, everybody was cramping. Uh, yeah. Luther Burden was cramping. Oh KD was God. cramping. Okay, there was like a there was like a moment where uh, Luther Burden gets hurt. He's just cramping. He's really he's probably fine. But something about the angle that the that the camera was looking at him on the ground and like just the way he was he was kind of laying on his back with his legs like up in the air a little bit mm -hmm. for like a half a second. I thought he had this like really grotesque injury, like where his leg was going the wrong way. I don't know why. It just like it's something like, about I. Your mind was like preparing itself yes, for like, like worst nah. case scenario. I was literally like about <laughs> to just start screaming, but uh, I think he, I don't think that's what was happening there. And then he went to the locker room. Yeah. And they, and he was like walking off on his own. And then like it seemed like as soon as he thought he was like out of sight of the cameras, then they like had to be carried. <laughs> like, okay, well, we saw that. Hey, cramps are painful, man. Yeah. 
Uh, gotta Charlie get, Horse. Got to get him that pickle juice. Um, yeah, so what happened in the rest of this game? Um, Missouri w- w- seemed to be cruising there for a little bit in the second half, up 14. Uh, Memphis did score a touchdown with under two minutes left to give us the final score, 34-27. And it would have been nice to see the defense get a stop there. And kind just of a like, garbage time touchdown. Yeah, it yeah. was a little bit. And, and Memphis does that. Like, they... A lot. They have a lot of fourth quarter scoring. Is that an accusation of some kind? Yeah, I mean, you're down 14. You got to keep trying. Yeah. <laughs> Luther Burden recovered that onside kick. Yeah, it, it, did he really late? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. When when they uh, tried to get the ball back there. Ramps so. and all. Um, yeah. It, I mean, I I don't know if this is a concern, but I mean, the, Missouri still. I'm not sure they know how to blow somebody out. Yeah. It looked like they were maybe headed that direction in this game, and I know you're probably not going to blow out Kansas State. You're just happy to win that game, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're playing checkers in those first two games, so I don't know. Whatever, I don't know what we're, you know. Exactly, everything's just a unique case. Here. I guess you got an opportunity this week. Maybe I would. I would love to see them blow somebody out, though. Yeah, just be better the whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the, what didn't allow Missouri to blow out um, Memphis is over eight on third down yeah, for the Missouri super offense. Super weird, and uh. Uh, it becomes obvious on a rewatch, and Coach Drink talked about it, but a lot of those eight third-down situations came after a first or second down that had a penalty. Um, uh, the offensive line honestly played really well outside of penalties. Um, Missouri had seven penalties, but only for 41 yards because I think like four of them were false starts. So when you're starting first and 15... Or, you know, you get five yards on first down, but then you're repeating second 10 because of a penalty. Well, that's just, you know, that's like a getting stopped for a run of zero yards. You're just like putting yourself behind the chains because of penalty. But um, outside of that, I thought the offensive line impressed. Yeah. I thought they looked good. They're playing well. Especially I noticed um, playing through the end of the game. Um the offensive line and the running backs showed late in the Memphis game that they had just more talent and more stamina for this type of game where if you, we need to just go score a dagger-like touchdown in the fourth quarter, um, Missouri was able to do it on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like the run blocking especially has been good really in every game this season so far. Um Seems like the PFF grades are hit or miss on that stuff. Like maybe he doesn't like the run blocking as much as I feel like it looks good in the games, but feel it feels like the running game has has really been there in all of these games so far for the most part. Yeah, it seems like a little more. Uh, it's slow starting in the Kansas State game and against Memphis. It feels like I think each running back in both games had like a big run late where they like doubled their rushing total up to that point. <laughs> so, but you know, it could get a little sketchy without a couple of those big runs, but Hey, if they're doing yeah. it late because the defense is tired. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good sign. Um, I saw a random take on Twitter from some, you know, you know, everybody's got a podcast nowadays, but, um, some like, uh, I think it was like a S- somebody covering the sec or just college football in general was talking about, Missouri, Missouri's passing offense has not even seen 
its full potential. And his take was because Missouri needs to run the ball to buy some time for their defense that is struggling. You think there's any merit to that? Say that, that one more time. Uh, Missouri could be throwing the ball around a lot more, throwing the for 500 yards a game. Okay, but the offense needs to intentionally eat some clock to save their defense that has been struggling so okay. far. Okay, is that does that feel like an outsider perspective that hasn't been watching the games? Or? I don't know. I mean, I maybe, but I think at this point, Missouri's offense is just doing what they can to score. Um, are we worried about the defense at all, though? I don't think so. I mean, I think we knew that there was a chance that we could see some regression from. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I mean, maybe a lot of maybe some people did, but I don't. I don't think we expected to see the defense be as elite as they were last year, um, with like the defensive end, yeah, issues, yeah, and stuff like that. But I don't know. They've 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 struggled at times, but I'm not. I'm really not worried about the defense. Yeah, and I wouldn't put too much stock in this Memphis game because of the injuries. Yeah. Like, let's see everybody healthy. Um, just to rattle off some stats for you real quick, uh, Cook ended the game 18 of 25, passing for 341 yards, two touchdowns. Schrader and Pete combined for 29 carries, 188 yards, and two touchdowns. And Luther Burden, 10 catches for 177 yards. So just back to back to back. <laughs> my god that scared me we didn't get that call unfortunately we, there was like a couple times she said luther burden like in an excited voice yeah kind of sounded like that i thought we were going to get another epic luther burden call but i was disappointed <laughs> um he's just now back to back to back games setting career highs and like yeah. elevating his game every time he's incredible like just he's so fun to watch like it's getting some national recognition. Yeah, I think at this point, like, yeah, you can you could consider that he's he's catching the eyes of of the national media, and you know he kind of plays in a way that's just unique. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we've seen him beat the other team over the top a couple of times this year and stuff, but like, that's really not like what he does. That's not what makes him so special. It's right. just his ability to uh, break tackles and like just makes something out of nothing yeah and he's just so hard to tackle and it's like breaking like a broken tackle seems like the wrong term for when there's a guy there and then just comes nowhere near tackling him yeah like you didn't it, there wasn't a broken tackle because there was never he never even allowed him to attempt a tackle mm-hmm. never touched him yeah yeah he is a tank it's so fun uh, and still, so there's like every time he touches the ball, yeah. he's making a guy miss for sure. Um, Mookie Cooper did have three receptions for 58 yards. Theo Weiss, three receptions for 29 yards and a touchdown. And I got to say that throw and catch the touchdown to Weiss looked like the type of thing you do when you're just a good offense. Like Brady Cook just saw him crossing the front of the end zone, put it right on him. It was a one-on-one situation. It just looked like an easy touchdown throw and catch. Yeah. Yeah, Weiss has been pretty good as advertised as, yeah. as well. Yeah. Mm. How do you think Dominic Lovett's doing? You know what? I was keeping up with his stats for a while uh, after two games or so. Eh. Who? Not, even, not even worried about it. Who? Who cares? Yeah. It's going to be... Uh, yeah. I'll yeah. look up his stats whenever... 
Oh, I don't, no, no, no. I don't, just a college kid. Just a college kid. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I'll look up his stats when he uh, announces he's entering the portal next oh. offseason. Um, I didn't say it, though. No, That's what I was going to say. Absolutely. Thanks for refraining. Thanks. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. Um, yeah, Missouri beats Memphis uh, 34-27. We'll take it. Good game all around. I think Memphis is a solid team. I think they're better than Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so heading into conference play now, Brady Cook is completing 72% of his passes. He's thrown for 1,000 yards already, 10 total touchdowns, averaging 10.7 yards per attempt. Every time he releases the ball, on average, it's a first down. We should be throwing for 500 yards, right? That's what they're we're saying. running too much. Uh, Luther Burden, 32 catches, 500 yards, three touchdowns. Schrader and Pete combined 109 rushes, 589 rushing yards, and four touchdowns. The offense is humming. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's going to continue as well. And the Missouri Tigers are ranked 23rd in the latest AP poll. And uh, we go on the road to Vanderbilt. To open conference play and it is just the perfect stair step of we've had our challenges we've done a little bit of everything we've played fcs opponent we've played a uh, top 25 team a rival we've done a neutral site and now we're going on the road uh, vanderbilt is two and three on the season with wins over hawaii alabama a&m and losses to wake forest unlv and most recently kentucky Barry Odom-led UNLV squad gets his revenge from uh, losing to Vanderbilt with Missouri. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, what are you thinking about Vanderbilt? Is there? I've seen a few people thinking, you know, you know, you don't want to overlook Vanderbilt. Sure, thinking I mean, too much about LSU. I think I think you have to go in with that attitude. I mean, we've been burned by Vanderbilt before in Respect seasons. Your opponent in seasons where we we're pretty good. So it's and la- last year I and. Mean, they probably should have beat us at home. The last two seasons to come down to the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think uh, it's probably best to just uh, save the jokes for after the game and just go in there and take care of business. Yeah. And, I mean, they got some, they have some good players, man. It's it's weird. It's like when you watch the actual offense operate, they make some explosive plays. They they play confidently. They They really air it out, throw it a lot. Yeah. They have Aggressive. some really legitimately good wide receivers, like mm-hmm. even at the SEC level, um, Will Shepard especially. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, man. It's like Missouri should win this game. Vanderbilt, it's like, I don't know. They just cannot put it together. Their defense is bad. Um, but so when I, when I really think about it, they should not be a threat to Missouri. But weird things have happened. Is it too much for me to ask for a win and we get healthy for LSU? I think we can do it. Okay. All right. I, um, I mean, I, we were talking about this in the Discord. It would be actually pretty nice if we had a bye after Vanderbilt yeah. before LSU. Uh, I think our bye is after LSU, but I think it'll be okay. Okay. Um, yeah, and Vanderbilt, yeah, their offense can be explosive, but it is like the definition of inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, AJ Swan has been playing well for the most part, but... Um, 
he just isn't consistent enough. He's only completing 54% of his passes, but he's thrown for almost 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns, but also seven interceptions. Yeah. And he's hurt. He might not even play in this game. So we may be going up against Ken Seals, who is a senior. And if that name sounds familiar, he was the starting quarterback for Vanderbilt two seasons ago, three seasons ago, when Missouri won 41 to zero. So maybe that's like that. Maybe you do want uh, Ken Seals to play. Yeah. But he's been there a while, um, has only thrown the ball 11 times this year, but threw for 1,100 yards and five touchdowns in 2021. 1,900 yards and 12 touchdowns in 2020. Yeah. Yeah, a Vanderbilt with A.J. Swan kind of has that, like, we don't even care, man. We'll we'll, we'll kill you, like, kind of attitude. Like, they're just kind of, like, crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just, like, we... Unpredictable. Yeah, they're volatile. unpredictable. And they got nothing to lose. Yeah. It's like, that's how, like, we, we, we really don't care. We're just... That, that's kind of the attitude that they play with. Like, kind of a fun offense in that regard. But that's why I think that we should take this seriously. Mm-hmm. And because... They'll just, I don't know. I mean, this could be a shootout if we're not careful. Um, if Swan can't go, it's probably going to be Seals. There's a chance we could see one of two redshirt freshman quarterbacks, Drew Dickey or Walter Taylor. I wanted to mention Walter Taylor because I think he might be the future at quarterback for Vanderbilt. He's 6'7", 235. Sounds like a well-built gentleman. Yeah. So maybe watch out for that in the future. That's all you know about him, though, or that's all I know. Oh, okay, well, he's honey. literally he's a redshirt freshman has not played a snap in college. I don't think so. It's one of those guys, kind of a more mobile quarterback. I think the idea is Taylor is a bit more of a dual threat guy with would, his size. Could be interesting if they throw a couple of those guys out there. Obviously, Seals is not. Yeah, the mobile quarterback. Yeah, Swan's not mobile either, and they they can't turn to Mike Wright because he's not on their team anymore. He's playing for Mississippi State. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would be pretty nervous about the backup quarterback situation if Mike Wright was still there, but exactly. maybe he wouldn't be the backup if he was still there. Because yeah. <laughs> he's the backup at Mississippi State, though. Yeah, interesting. So because he would for sure come out and, and beat us if he was still there. <laughs> uh, they've got two pretty good running backs with Patrick Smith and Cedric Alexander, kind of a one-two punch there. And you mentioned their wide receivers: Will Shepard, uh, London Humphreys, and Jaden McGowan. They are just a pretty legit trio of wide receivers and they use those guys in special teams as well getting their playmakers involved um they definitely have a below average power five defense Mm -hmm. not something to be too scared about i feel like it's going to look just kind of generic if you when you're watching on tv yeah they're going to mix it up with some different blitz packages and different uh you know multiple coverages that they'll shift into but I don't think it's a threat. Yeah. I think we should be okay. Yeah, you mentioned Will Shepard, their wide receiver, um, 345 yards and six touchdowns on the season already. So there there might be an element of he's just going to get his in this game. Yeah. But I agree with you on the defense. They're just, it's nothing special. Uh, they give up, they've given up a ton of points in basically every game they've played. Yeah. And including, I mean, yeah, they're just kind of making some of these other offenses look really good. Now, Kentucky scored a bunch of points, but I think they had, two pick sixes oh really in that game yeah i actually turned that game on in the first quarter at the end of the first and kentucky was up 21 to zero so i was like oh okay i think they i think they already had a pick six by that time that makes sense and then they got another one later they scored 45 points i think but 
Yeah, 14 of that was from the defense. The offenses in that game were both struggling a bit, and but um, Swan is hurt. So we're going to be 5-0. and What's it going to look like? Is it? I, I mean, I think there could be an element of a little bit of a shootout here. Okay. Um, maybe, I think Missouri dominates at the beginning of the game and tries to slow down the game and Vanderbilt's like, nah, we're just, we're going to, we're going to hit you through the air a little bit. And I think Vanderbilt makes things interesting a little bit in the second half. But I'll say Missouri wins 45-28. Lots of scoring. 45-28. That would be pretty fun. Yeah. Um, I got a little bit less scoring. I've got Missouri 37-21. to That sounds pretty safe. Yeah. Well, I think both of those picks seem about right. Um, yeah, I'd like to see Missouri score 45 points. 45-28, that's... That's a lot of scoring. Is that the type of game that... That's probably uh, way over the over. Okay, well, yeah, probably is. Um, Do you see a situation where we're able to pull Brady Cook and let him rest? I want want the guy to rest. Yeah, I would love that. Um, It's probably best of both worlds. Brady gets to rest. Sam Horn gets to toss it around a little bit. Because now I am starting to think, like, let's get Horn some game reps because Brady Cook is not going to last all season at this rate. I agree. Yeah, that, I mean that's best case scenario. Get up three or four touchdowns in in the third quarter or something. I don't. That's probably asking, feels too good to be true. That's, yeah, that's yeah. probably asking for too much. That really hasn't been how any of their games have gone or even remotely close so far. But if I could, if I could uh, design it myself, that's probably what I would want. Yeah, but it could happen. Uh, the only guy that's injured and out for sure is Makai Miller. Yeah. Robinson, Burden, Cook, I Norwood, like Rakestraw, Norfleet, all of them questionable. I have a hard time seeing Norwood play. I don't know anything really about his injury, but just the the way it looked yeah. just looked really bad last week. And so I think they said it was a high ankle sprain, so those typically take a few weeks at minimum. Norfleet's still dealing with ribs from that hit he took yeah. I think in the Kansas State game. Sounds like he's probably going to play, though. I don't know about, I don't know about uh, Darius Robinson, though. Um, they might... It might be in their best interest to let him rest. Yeah. And just get him right for I'm, LSU. I'm down for that for sure. Yeah, I felt like uh Niles Gaddy and Joe Moore and Firestone, they, I think they played pretty well um yeah. with uh Robinson being out. Get them some more reps. Yeah. I think Missouri's defensive line will be just fine without him I in agree. this game. Okay, we're predicting a win. We're predicting five and zero oh going into LSU. That's oh man, that is so exciting. I did not. Please don't mess this up. I no, am begging you. No, Coach please Drinkwitz. let it happen. Please we need win. this. It feels like a, if this feels like the type of game they just go win though. On first, I think so. first SEC game on the road at Vanderbilt. It just feels like a game that they take seriously. They have to. Feels like going away from home, but having the crowd behind you. But you know, having to use different facilities and all that kind of stuff. Sounds like an interesting situation too, like the, the construction going on true, and true. stuff, like yeah. and the visiting locker room situation doesn't sound great. Yeah, it may not be an upgrade from the dome facilities. At least they're used to it. Who knows? All right, let's go get a win and let's uh, pick the rest of the SEC slate. It's the first week where it's only SEC opponents for all the all the squads. How'd we do last week? 
Uh, you were perfect. Oh, let's go. Yeah, all like of them it. right. Aww. All six. It was six any? Six. Did I pick an upset? Nope. Ah, easy. Nope. There were no. No upsets. And uh, Tristan's picking for us this week. Tristan is picking this week. Tristan, welcome in. Welcome. <clears throat> You're going down. So, point total so far. Kyle has thirty. Everybody else is 31. Kyle missed two picks last week. Mm. Wow. Can't let that happen, Kyle. Now I'm in the catbird seat. Mm. Exactly. What does that mean? I have no idea. <laughs> it's a, I think it's a real phrase, right? It sounds right. I don't know what it means, though. Yeah. Something. You used it right, though. I can tell. Oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> All right. First game up this week is number 22, Florida at Kentucky. Kentucky is a one-point favorite. Florida, Florida just Cameron takes Florida. Florida beats Tennessee, and now they're ranked and they're good. I hope not. No, but Look Kentucky's not good either. Uh, what's the? I'm sorry. What's the line? One. Kentucky by one in favor of at home. Kentucky. Yeah, uh, I'm going Florida. I'm I'm anti Kentucky. Remember, Tristan yeah. takes Kentucky. Who? Tristan takes Kentucky. What do you mean? And you say what? And what did you say? I said Florida. And Cameron said Florida. Uh, all right, Tristan, let's go. Kentucky. Ooh. You felt like you didn't really want to do that. No, but my narrative is Kentucky's actually better than Florida. <laughs> this is a little battle of the narratives, isn't it? Here? <laughs> yes, exactly. Next game up is Texas A&M at Arkansas. Texas A&M is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Just lost their starting quarterback for the year. Texas A&M did. did I did not see that. Give oh, me Arkansas. Oh, my. And Tristan. he was playing well, too. Tristan takes Arkansas. Kyle, as, oh. as, as do I. I want A&M. Absolutely, I want A&M. Didn't Arkansas, they hung with LSU this past week. Yeah, LSU. Lost on a game-winning field goal. LSU's defense looking a little sketchy. Let Arkansas score a bunch of points. I don't know anything about Texas A&M's backup quarterback. Oh, give me A&M. Arkansas's bad. We, we, I trust Vegas on this one. Yeah. Good point. Next up is number one Georgia at Auburn. Georgia is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. At Auburn? Go ahead. Give me Georgia, but Auburn to cover. Ooh. That doesn't mean anything in this game at all. I'll take Georgia. Georgia all around. It's too risky. You, can't, you just got to go Georgia there. Yeah. You have to. Yeah, any line over like 10 is like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the reward is not, big, not good enough. Number 13, LSU at number 20, Ole Miss. Oh, let me look at the line again. This is an interesting one. Did I mess something up? No, I might have. I mean, LSU and Ole Miss. Yeah, because that was I. I really thought Ole Miss was going to show up better last week. Yeah, they LSU's a two and a half point favorite. Interesting, interesting. LSU's like I said, their defense looked sketchy against Arkansas. They didn't respect their opponent. No, but they may not have been capable of it. That's true. And Ole Miss's offense is... Were they trying to play a little bit of chess or... I mean... Checkers? They play checkers. Yeah. Uh, They're trying to hide their 
game plan for Mizzou. Probably. Supposedly, uh, supposedly, LSU didn't want to play Mizzou under the lights. Is it? That's the rumor. That's the rumor. They were scared and, and convinced the SEC to schedule that for 11 a.m. They, I actually saw this thing where uh, Georgia's played like the most 11 a.m. games in the last however many years, and LSU has played like the least amount of 11 a.m. games. So maybe there's something to that where they've got a little bit of a, you know, they're paying somebody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, um, give me, yes. Do you want LSU to win this game so that yeah. it's a better matchup? Sure. For Mizzou? Sure. So give me Ole Miss. Got a hedge. Okay. <laughs> Tristan takes LSU. Go ahead. Ooh. Uh, um, I'll take LSU. Oh, man. <laughs> physical pain over there <laughs> it's a tough decision it is it is uh, there's a lot riding on this give me old miss absolutely all right let's go we haven't even updated last year's trophy but the winner gets to go on the trophy yes. maybe eventually maybe. eventually yeah maybe you you take who sorry Ole miss okay yeah Mississippi. and we got lots of splits this week Ooh. lots of lots of splits do we have i don't think we any, have any one versus threes though do we we're about to Ooh. South Carolina at number 21, Tennessee. Tennessee is a 12-point favorite. Go ahead. 12? Does is is everybody else take Tennessee? I do. Tristan does. Yeah. yeah they're have, not going to win two in a row that they... Who'd they beat They're not going to lose two in a row that they shouldn't. Who did South Carolina beat last week? Mississippi State. Yeah. Uh, yeah, give me Tennessee. I wanted to make this the 1v3, Go but right I, I can't do it. Okay. Tennessee. Next up is number 12, Alabama at Mississippi State. Alabama is a 14 and a half point favorite. Alabama by a million. Roll Tide. Alabama all around. And last and certainly least, number two, Michigan at Nebraska. At Nebraska, you never know. Uh, Michigan is a 17-point favorite. Give me Michigan. Yeah, I concur. Michigan, and they cover. Yeah. And they cover in the first half with the starters, and they cover again in the second half with the backups. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Michigan themselves will hit the over. <laughs> that's it. Oh, that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's uh, all we got. Everybody takes Michigan, I assume. Tristan takes Michigan. Yeah. All right. Anything else to say to the folks? No. Enjoy these fun times. Keep them rolling. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. If you, just say, you just said no. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Garofalo, Brandon Hanks, Matthew Tilly, and Luis Hernandez. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. We value and love you. And you can find this po podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod. And you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. You can find our t shirts and stickers on our online shop, Missouri Sports Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week. After when? <laughs> <laughs>